Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday, June 8, 2020 edition of Locked on Dolphins, brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first box. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, diehard Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com. NFL draft analyst at thedraftnetwork.com. And we got a slew of interesting topics to discuss throughout the course of the show today. Uh, An NFL head coach weighed in on how he would elect to handle the Dolphins quarterback situation. Colin Cowherd of Fox Sports chimed in on when he thinks Tua Tungavailoa will get his first win as a starting quarterback in the NFL. The Dolphins have a lot of travel ahead of them this season. And just how bad might the Houston Texans be next year in 2020? And how much could the Dolphins potentially benefit from that? Those are all things I'm aspiring to talk about today on the show. Busy weekend. It's the luxury of of working at DolphinsWire.com, writing multiple angles and stories regarding the Dolphins every day. And it gives me some great opportunity for reflection and critical thinking to bring you guys good topics, compelling topics of the here and now with the Miami Dolphins. By the way, tomorrow is Power to the Pod, which if you're new to the show, welcome, first and foremost. Hit subscribe. Uh, Power to the Pod is your chance to bring your voice to Locked on Dolphins. You ask me questions either on Twitter, uh, via at Locked on Fins with a PH, or submitting an iTunes review with your question. I really like five-star reviews. Try and read all the five-star reviews. Uh, with the questions. Uh, And I talk about what you bring to the table on Tuesday. So that's tomorrow. But today, we've got this gauntlet of topics to cover. So let's start uh, with a different NFL head coach, and this is pretty rare, speaking openly uh, throughout the course of a radio program uh, about another NFL team's quarterback situation and what he would do in his shoes. Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians is generally considered to be a quarterback whisperer, which makes it so interesting that late last week he joined a local FM radio station in Alabama to talk about Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa as one of the conversation points. Arians joined 100.9 FM in Alabama late last week to talk with Jay Barker and former NFL running back Trent Richardson and Richardson asked him how he would choose to handle a rookie quarterback like Tua Tungabailoa this season. Here's what Arians had to say. I think it all depends on his health. If he's healthy, I'm playing him. I don't think you learn anything holding a clipboard. You know, I had Peyton Manning his first year, Andrew Luck his first year, Ben Roethlisberger was one of those guys that went in by accident because Tommy Maddox got hurt. You miss all the practice reps, you miss all the game reps. I don't know what you learn holding a clipboard and watching. Given Bruce Arians' track record with quarterbacks, uh, this is a pretty compelling case that you know, should the Dolphins' medical team come back with thumbs up on Tua Tungabailoa, 
it may be beneficial to get him into the game early. Of course, the question and the conflict here for the Dolphins stems from the Dolphins offensive line having four or five new starters along it to open the season, including two offensive tackles in Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt, uh, who both will need some incubation time in order to reach their full potential. Austin Jackson, very raw offensive tackle prospect, will play left tackle. Robert Hunt, many draft pundits felt, would be best served kicking inside to play at right guard. But the Dolphins are going to try him at tackle first. Knowing Tungavailoa's durability concerns and recovering from the hip injury, putting him into the starting lineup this quickly in the process does at least force you to ask the question if it's worth it. Uh, of course, if Tungavaloa is given full medical clearance, he is 100%, then of course he would benefit from getting the reps, but are the reps putting him in the best position to be successful versus Ryan Fitzpatrick? Bruce Arians isn't wrong in that Tua Tungavaloa getting starter reps and starter reps in practice builds a better bridge for the long-term and future, and you learn best by doing and learning and failing forward through your shortcomings and your missteps. Tua Tungvaloa would be no exception, and more of a limiting factor on whether or not he should be on the field for the Dolphins come week one or week four or whenever should be rooted more so in is the rest of the unit in position to give him the best chance at success. If the offensive line is enduring problems, good quarterback play is going to be difficult to come by. It's a miracle what we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick do throughout the course of last season, knowing full well how bad the Dolphins' offensive line truly was across the board. So while Arians is not wrong in suggesting that if two is healthy, he should play, the big extenuating circumstance is not Tungavailoa's readiness as a player mentally, but rather the offense's readiness to help him reach success early on while he would be learning through those mistakes without exposing him to additional risk of additional injury. This is undoubtedly going to continue to be a hot-button topic of debate for Miami Dolphins fans everywhere. Everybody has their own opinion on when they think Tua should play. You drafted him five. He needs to play right out the jump. It's a long-term process. Don't rush him for the sake of to the 2020 season. Let's make sure he's ready for the long haul. At the end of the day, if he's, if he's med medically 100%, does he give you the best chance to win knowing that his supporting cast in Alabama was one of the best in all of college football, and he's stepping into a supporting cast in Miami that is going to test him a little bit more. That is at the root of the question. If they can get that offensive line straight, I'm for it. Personally, for me, I don't anticipate that they will, and that's why I've been on the record and talked on this show a number of times that, you know, for me, I am holding back on Tua at least through the early portions of the season till we get a better vibe on, okay, how is the offensive line stable? And that builds a perfect segue to talking about one Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd uh, recently did a segment in which he asked 
win each of the rookie quarterbacks, will get and secure their first win as an NFL starter. Here's what Cowherd uh, speculated regarding Tua and the Dolphins. Cowherd projected the Dolphins to start the year 2-3, and three, with wins against New England and Jacksonville. And uh, Cowherd said at that point, uh, the cries for Tua will start to come, uh, but if they start the year 2-3 and three with wins against New England and Jacksonville, that means uh, the Week 6 matchup will be against the Denver Broncos. Uh, in Denver, and Cowherd citing that that is not a friendly environment to start a rookie quarterback for his first career start. The Dolphins would hold off in doing so and would then install Tua for the subsequent home game against the L.A. Chargers coming across the country with the team sitting at 2-4. and four. If that's the case, if the team does start 2-4, and four, and Fitzpatrick's playing okay, and the offensive line uh, is at least generating some movement in the ground, on the ground. And two is cleared? Sure, let's start him. That's when Cowherd thinks he will start for the first time, is week seven against the Chargers. He thinks they'll lose that game, and he thinks Tua will get his first career win the following week when the LA Rams come to town. I personally think the Chargers is a more winnable game than the Rams, but that's neither here nor there. But if that happened, if that materialized, Tua starts week seven for the first time. He goes one and one. Dolphins reach the halfway point in the season. They're three and five. Can we talk about what the rest of the schedule would look like? You've got Kansas City at home. Forget it, right? Like, you're not winning that game. (laughs) If the Dolphins were to somehow defeat the Chiefs, we will throw a party when that happens. But I am not going to set the expectation, oh yeah, Dolphins, you know, Tua, you know, 2020 improved offensive line, improved defense, they're going to run with Kansas City, they're going to beat the Chiefs. Let's slow our roll a little bit. Let's be a little realistic. But even if you get rid of the, acknowledge the Chiefs game exists and that the team will have to play the Patriots again, never mind that it's a home game in December for Miami with New England, a cold weather team coming down. You've got at Arizona, the Jets back-to-back, Cincinnati, New England, Kansas City, at Vegas, and Week 17 in Buffalo. Jets games, I've talked about the Jets last week and said I expect the Dolphins should sweep the Jets. Miami should, at home, beat the Bengals. Okay, so now you're three more wins. So now you're at six. If we started three and five, now you're at six with games against Las Vegas, Arizona, New England at home, Kansas City, and Buffalo. We get two wins out of that group. We get two wins out of that group. We're sitting at eight and eight, at least. And Buffalo, listen, I hate to say it. There's a chance Buffalo might be coming into week 17, much like they did in 2019, with their status in the playoffs locked in place. If the Buffalo Bills clinch the AFC East, but do not have a shot at a bye, which is very realistic. I don't think the, the Bills are going to have the one seed and secure, secure the, uh, the best record in the AFC. Because remember, only one team gets a bye now. We've expanded the playoff field. So you got to have the one seed. If that's the case... 
What's to stop Buffalo from doing what they did last year and sitting half their starters? I'll take a cheap win at this point. I am not above taking wins against teams who are sitting their starters because they have nothing to gain in Week 17. That's how the Jets got a win last year. So if Buffalo locks it in and they sit their starters, great, win there. Win against Cincinnati. Beat the Jets twice. Tua is realistically looking at, in this scenario, coming into the league and having a winning record through the back half of his first season as a starter, assuming he plays healthy the whole time. Can you imagine what the fever pitch and the hype train is going to be like in South Florida? If Tua comes in and takes over a team that's 2-4, and four, and the team finishes the season, let's call it 8-8. Eight and eight which means Tua would go 6-4 and four as the starter in 10 games. Let's go. South Florida will lose their minds. I wouldn't hate to see it. And typically, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge Callan Cowherd guy. I, I think it is very difficult to stay plugged in on every sport across the country all the time. I think that that is just a, a gig that I do not envy. Because it puts you in a situation where you have to know so much about every team or else you run the risk of letting stuff slip through the cracks. But if this materialized, I see 8-8. Eight eight. I'm sorry, I do. The betters and the sports books have Miami at five wins or, or six wins. I see eight on the schedule, guys. I really do. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick plays to the, the talent level that he did last year, I definitely see eight. You know, and we might not even have to play Tua, and that's fine if, if Fitzpatrick is able to lock in the stretch that he had for the final 10 games of 2019, which, by the way, the Dolphins went 5-5. Five and five. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about our friends over at Built Bar. These protein bars have been a revelation for me. I've thoroughly enjoyed all the different flavors that they have. I keep trying new flavors with Built Bar. Uh, one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of a typical protein bar with just as much protein as a typical protein bar. These things are light. They eat easy. They are delicious. They're not super chewy or, or tough. It's like eating a candy bar. They got dark chocolate, all-natural flavors. So whether you want fruit flavors, dessert flavors, mint brownie, double chocolate, Banana bread, banana cream, raspberry, blueberry lemon. They've got a gauntlet of flavors. And I don't want you to just take my word for it that these things are awesome. I want you to find out for yourselves. So you can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your first box to find out what all the fuss is about. That's promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com to save yourself $10 off your first box. We've talked about the schedule, so let's let's talk some more about the schedule here. The Dolphins' uh, fourth highest figure of travel in the NFL this year, and they were bailed out from also losing a home game to go across uh, the pond and go play in London. <laughs> Can you imagine? So here's the breakdown. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, a team that the Dolphins will play and play at home, 28,982 miles this season, the most in the league by a comfortable margin. 
the next closest team, the Los Angeles Chargers, who will also be traveling across the country to play in Miami, 22,228 miles. The Los Angeles Rams, who will also be traveling across the country to come to Miami to play the Dolphins, 22,004 miles. Those are the three teams in the NFL who have greater travel than what the Dolphins do this season. And of course, some of this is a byproduct of uh, the West, NFC West, and the AFC East play each other. Uh, but the Dolphins are, are taking the cake as far as the next highest team, the AFC team with the most travel. And part of that is because you think about Buffalo, New England, the Jets, uh, they're all kind of congregated up there in the mid-Atlantic region, and the Dolphins are way down the coast all by themselves. So you got to tack on divisional game travel. Uh, it's, of course, a big home field advantage when those teams have to come to Miami, but they only have to make one trip to Miami. Miami's got to make three trips north to co-play divisional games up in New York and, and uh, New England. 21,183 miles, most in the AFC and it would have been much worse had they have to go across the pond. How does the rest of the AFC stack up here? Buffalo, 20,066 miles. They are the seventh most in the NFL. New England Patriots, 19,226 miles, which is the 10th most in the NFL. And the New York Jets, 17,246, which is the 12th most in the NFL. How does this stack up to the less... Most traveled teams? How's this? The Baltimore Ravens have the least amount of travel of any team in 2020. I don't know how many miles they have. Remember, Seattle, 29,000 miles effectively is what they have. The Dolphins, 22,000 miles, fourth highest, most in the AFC. The Baltimore Ravens travel 6,420 miles in total this year. And if this team balls out and ends up being uh, the first seed in the playoffs... They will have home playoffs all the way through until the Super Bowl. <laughs> Must be nice. Not the Dolphins. 22,000 miles in 2020. Uh, an unenviable task, uh, but the Dolphins do get much of their brutal travel out of the way early because they have to go to Denver they have to go to San Francisco, and they have to go to Arizona all before the bye, all before week 10. So they'll get those big road trips out of the way, and then we can continue and commence along our way to hopefully a strong second half of the season, hopefully led by one to a tongue of hopefully anchored by the offensive line that would make me feel comfortable with playing him. But we shall see. Bringing us home today, we've got the Houston Texans. The Dolphins own their first and second round selections in the 2021 NFL Draft. And uh, Texans are, are very quietly a team that the betting community thinks is in for some troubled waters this season. And much of it comes down to there is a, what's the best way to put it? The Texans are aligned from an organizational standpoint as a team that is in win-now mode. They have appointed Bill O'Brien, the team's head coach, as the acting general manager of the team, and he has promptly sworn off all long-term assets and 
is going to be burning a bunch of money with the the market resetting contract that he gave to Laramie Tunsil and the quarterback contract for Deshaun Watson and not having first-round picks in two consecutive years and making questionable first-round picks the last time he did make a first-round selection with Titus Howard and uh, two top 50 picks that turned into Max Sharping and Lonnie Johnson. So here's the deal. How high can this pick get from Miami? Could Miami's first pick come courtesy of Houston and not Miami? It's an interesting question. If it turned out that way, casual fans would probably be very surprised to see it happen. But let's not dismiss the idea, because here's the deal. The Houston Texans are a team that has had a negative point differential in three of the last four seasons. The Houston Texans' defense was a mess last year. The team was 19th in scoring defense, 28th in yards allowed, averaged nearly five yards a carry against them throughout the course of the season, allowed 33 passing touchdowns, and the team got no better because the team, in a win-now window, made absolutely zero additions to the defensive side of the football. Their big signings were safety Eric Murray from the Cleveland Browns and re-signing Vernon Hargraves, who yielded nearly 1,000 yards in coverage in his targets alone last year. Oh, by the way, they also lost starting defensive tackle DJ Reader. Defensively, this team just said, run it back, but without arguably our second best defensive line. For a team that was 19th in scoring defense, 28th in yards allowed, the one year they had a positive point differential in the last four seasons was 2018, when the team was second in the NFL in turnovers. The Texans were 15th in the NFL, forcing 22 turnovers last year. And that's how bad the defense was. And J.J. Watt's another year older and has still only played two full 16-game seasons since 2015. Obviously, on the offensive side of the ball, the team traded DeAndre Hopkins and brought in Randall Cobb, David Johnson, and Brandon Cooks. Team made no additions or alterations to the offensive line. So, you got worse at wide receiver. Say what you will about Brandon Cooks and, and Randall Cobb. They're not DeAndre Hopkins. And you're paying them more. You're paying them more, but you're paying them more flexible deals than what you would have to have had paid DeAndre Hopkins on a restructure. Which makes it this an interesting organizational alignment says one thing. Team actions almost says something different. They want to win now, but they don't want the best players to win now. Make sense of that. I can't. So then you consider the Tennessee Titans started slow, but once Ryan Tannehill got into the, the game for Tennessee, this team did really well. They had a sustained postseason run. They made it to the AFC Championship game. They're running it back. They hit reset with everything they had in place is now going to be in place, and the players that they did not bring back, they drafted the replacements for. Indianapolis Colts were considered before the season to have a super, potential Super Bowl caliber roster, but had Andrew Luck retire mid-preseason. They brought in Phillip Rivers. Say what you love about Phillip Rivers. He's better than Jacoby Brissett. The Colts will be a better team than they were last year. And the Texans, who have had a negative, have given up more points than they've scored in three of the last four seasons, got worse on both sides of the football. 
if we see the Dolphins, you know, the, the Colin Cowherd scenario play out, and this team ends up finishing like 8-8, eight and eight, and there's this fever pitch around the Dolphins and so on and so forth. Is there a chance the, the Texans are worse than 8-8? Eight and eight? You tell me. I'm going to read you through uh, the Texans' schedule. My producer to pull this up. Texans' schedule 2020. Uh, they opened the season, first and foremost, against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City at Arrowhead. And then they are home against the Ravens for their home opener. The two best teams in the AFC last year is how they start their season. And then they go to Pittsburgh, home against Minnesota. That's their first four games. At Kansas City, home against Baltimore, at Pittsburgh, with Ben back, home against Minnesota. One and three, realistic, right? Okay, now hear me out. And they play Jacksonville at home. This should be a win. Let's say two and three. They go to Tennessee. Let's say they lose. Let's say they split with Tennessee, and each team wins their home game. So now they're two and four, and then they play the Packers before the bye. Losable game? Yes. Hypothetically, theoretically, you could be two and five going into your bye week if you're the Houston Texans. If that happens with Bill O'Brien trading DeAndre Hopkins, this team will mail it in. They'll still win some games because they got to play Detroit, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Jacksonville again, right? So if they were two and five, hypothetically, you're talking six wins there. You still got to play. Well, then they'd get, if we said they were splitting with Tennessee, they'd get another win. So that's five wins. So now you're talking seven wins. You got games against the Colts. Chicago, New England. It's possible. It's possible this team flops. And if they start slow, the chances of them flopping are even better. Of course, Deshaun Watson's going to be a big hurdle for this to clear, to materialize into reality. I would still say it's more likely Miami's first pick comes courtesy of Miami. But we should not be acting like this is a slam dunk because they've got a gifted quarterback in Deshaun Watson, but there's a lot of problems. The coaches were not happy with the decision to trade DeAndre Hopkins. Bill O'Brien's been here for a while. Statistically speaking, this team has major flaws and got worse. Get your popcorn ready because it's going to be a fun race. And I think it'll be a close race throughout the season on who finishes with a higher draft pick between the Miami Dolphins and the Houston Texans. If you want to hear me talk more about this, you want to hear me talk more about anything related to the Dolphins, you can hit subscribe on this podcast, follow up. Tomorrow is Power to the Pod. Submit your questions. Look forward to hearing what you guys bring to the table on your episode of Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Thank you so much for listening. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. And I hope to see you all again tomorrow.